welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. As I've already mentioned, it's Stock Take Sunday, and it's an opportunity to look at our vision yet again. And our vision as a church is simply to connect people. Everyone say, people. It's to connect people to God, to His church, and to their purpose. And to help us fulfill this vision, every year we break it down into bite-sized pieces. And so the first Sunday uh, in February of every year, we have what we call Vision Sunday. And we lay out some of the dreams, the goals, the initiatives for any given year. And midway through the year, we have Stock Take Sunday, which is our opportunity to let you know how we are going with what we said on Vision Sunday. In actual fact, I appreciate all the feedback and all the encouragement that we've received about having such a day as Stock Take Sunday, because apparently it's quite a novel concept, which doesn't make sense to me. The thought of us trying to keep ourselves accountable and the church informed as to where we're at with our future just makes sense to me. So thank you for your encouragement. However, I don't get why we'd do it any other way personally. So that's why we're doing what we're doing today. It's an opportunity for us to let you know how we're going with our goals, dreams and vision for the year. And having said that, I thought what I would do first is to share a message around the church. And uh, I saw an article by Perry Noble, which has inspired me to share some of my thoughts today. And I've simply entitled today's message, Seven Reasons Why I Believe in the Church. Seven Reasons Why I Believe in the Church. I realise there's a lot of confusion concerning the church today. There's confusion outside of the church about the church. And there's confusion inside the church about the church. People lose their way. People have expectations of the church. And when those expectations are not met, they get disappointed. And when they get disappointed, they get discouraged. And when they get discouraged, they no longer sit on the front row. They sit somewhere in the middle. And when they get really discouraged, they sit on the back row. And then eventually we don't see them anymore. And unfortunately, this has happened oh so often. Not just in this church, but in many, many churches. If you're on the back row this morning, uh, this morning, don't panic. There has to be a back row of every church because this church is getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And so I'm not here to have a go at you. I'm here simply for, to, for us to understand the power and the importance of the local church this morning and to remove the rose-coloured glasses. And to help us do that, I want you to, Picture this just for a moment. Many of you who are parents will will vouch for this. And maybe some of you who are a bit younger can remember back to your childhood as to this scenario. Imagine, if you will, doing a road trip. Let's just say it's the middle of winter in Adelaide, like it is. And we wanted to escape the winter blues and we wanted to go to, say, Queensland, but we didn't have enough money to fly. So we thought we'd do a road trip. An opportunity for the family to get together, to spend some quality time together before we get to our final destination. Utopia, a little piece of heaven on earth, Queensland. And in that trip, I, want, I, I don't know, has anyone here ever done a, a long road trip? I, I want you to think about all that happens on that road trip. I would love to tell you, it's all singing. I would love to say, it's just all singing. 
It's all just fun and games. It's all singing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I'd love to say that all the way, 24 hours, it's just that. And you start with a smile on your face. And by the time you get to Queensland, you're, if you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. And you're just doing it the whole way. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But how many know it's just not real? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was just all playing games? I spy with my little eye something beginning with R, road, yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was just all fun and games, fun and games and singing? And that does happen on a road trip. But how many know it's not all about that? It's about the toilet stops. It's about dealing with the kids. It's about stop pinching, stop poking, pop touching. He's on my side of the car. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Get off my side of the car. Are we there yet? It's a picture of the church. Well, we're here on... Planet Earth, we're doing a road trip and we're heading toward our final destination called heaven. And in the meantime, we sing and we have fun and we play games and we deal with the problems that come our way. Can you imagine if someone in the family said, I'm out of here. And as the car's driving on, they just get out the car. They'd miss out on the destination. It happens. It's life. And if you are struggling with church because of people, welcome to church. If somebody offended you, welcome to church. If somebody said something you didn't like, welcome to church. If it was a bit too hot or a bit too cold or the music was too loud or the music was too quiet, welcome to church if the young people are too noisy and the older people are too quiet welcome to church if the men annoy the girls and the girls annoy the men welcome to church welcome to life that's my point church gets a really bum rat when it comes to all this stuff Because we have this perception that that shouldn't happen. Since when? Haven't you read the Bible? If you get rid of the problems, there's not much Bible left. (laughs) Paul says, and another thing. This I hold against you. Your meetings are doing more harm than good. Problem after problem after problem. And yet... Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, never gave up on the church because he understood something many Christians don't. It's life. It's life. And I hope this morning's message encourages you as I look at seven things and seven reasons why I believe in the church. And the first one is simply this. I believe in the church because Jesus loves the church. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
Jesus loves the church so much, he loves her to death. Jesus quite literally laid down his life for the church. And one thing you need to understand about Jesus and his love for the church is he gets very protective of the church. Have you noticed when you love someone, you get very protective of them? You might have a brother or sister that you tease all the time and that you mock all the time and you say some things all the time about them. But when somebody else touches a member of your family, you you, you take exception to that. Well, Jesus takes exception when people are rude toward his church. When Saul was persecuting the church. You can read this for yourself in Acts chapter 9. Saul, who later became Paul, when he was persecuting the church and he was heading towards Damascus on his horse, ready to persecute the people in Damascus. Jesus stands in between Paul and the city of Damascus. And Paul is knocked off his high horse. And Jesus says this to Paul who is still known as Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul would have went well within his right. I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. I'm persecuting your church. And that's his point. If you touch the church, Jesus is saying, you touch me. If you mock the church, you're mocking me. If you hate the church, you're hating me. This notion that you can love Jesus and have issues with the church is not biblical. Jesus loves the church. The reason I believe in the church, number one, is because Jesus loves the church. Secondly, because Jesus is building the church. In Acts 16, verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I, Jesus himself, will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Isn't it amazing that the only thing Jesus is building on the earth today is his church? If you love Jesus, you'll love the things that Jesus loves and Jesus loves the church and you'll get involved in what Jesus is building and Jesus is building the church. So amidst all the frustration and the confusion and the things that bother you in church, get perspective because those things won't go away. How we deal with the problems in church is keeping a right perspective. And a right perspective always comes not by looking at the problem, but looking at Jesus. Jesus loves his church and Jesus is building his church. And if Jesus is building his church, it makes sense to invest in it. It's a good investment. Putting your time, your talent and your treasures into the church is a good investment because it's the only thing Jesus is building. Thirdly, it's because Jesus is the head of the church. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. Jesus is the head. He's the head honcho. He's the CEO. He's the boss man of the church. I don't know any CEO of any company that would waste his time in that position if it was an organization he didn't believe in. Jesus would not waste his time as the head of this organization called the church if he did not believe in her. 
if he did not have faith in her. The fact that Jesus is at the head should bring perspective to all of our problems and all of the situations and the circumstances that happen from time to time in church. He's the head of the church. He's the boss man. Fourthly, the fourth reason I believe in the church is because Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. In Matthew 21 verse 42, it said, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the very stone which the builders rejected and threw away has become the capstone, the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. There is no government, no system, no business, no parachurch organisation that has ever lasted long term. The church, however, has been around for the last 2,000 years. Not only has she been around for 2,000 years, but she's endured the most opposition of any other organisation on the planet. I mean, every organisation goes through its tough times, but the church has endured opposition like no other organisation on the planet. And yet she endures. She's not just striving or surviving. She's actually thriving. The church today is bigger, larger and stronger than she's ever been before. Why? Because Jesus is the cornerstone. That doesn't necessarily ring true for us because it's not language that we're used to. But what you've got to understand is it's a building term. And builders would always lay a cornerstone. And it was on that cornerstone that the rest of the building was held together. And what makes the church like or unlike any other organisation on the planet, and hence why it's been able to endure and last over time, is not just the efforts of man. It's just not the good intentions of people. It's because at the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ, who is holding all things together for the good. He was before all things, and it's in him that all things are being held together for the good. You might not like the church. You may be having issues with the church but, and you may want to persecute the church and you might want to pull her down and you may be able to get around some politicians and change some laws that are anti what the church believes. But I want to tell you this, because Christ is at the cornerstone, because Christ is at the foundation of the church, the church of Jesus Christ will continue to advance. The church of Jesus Christ will be around not only for all time, but for all eternity. Why? Because we're perfect? Not at all. Why? Because we're going to work really hard so that we never have another argument again? No. It's going to hold together because of what Christ has done for us. He's the cornerstone. And it's Christ that is holding it together. So when the church has a bad day and leaders fall morally... And you hear some of your idols, those that have helped you and those that introduced you to Christ, you hear of them falling by the wayside. It will not stop the church because the church is not dependent upon people or leadership. It's dependent 
upon the unchanging nature of Christ, who's at the very foundation of this church. It is one of the reasons that I find peace as a pastor. Knowing that at the end of the day, it's Christ who's building his church. Pastors that feel they can't go on holiday because the whole church is being propped up and supported by them don't truly understand who's upholding the church. And it's so wonderful to go on holiday knowing that Christ is upholding the church. The fifth reason I believe in the church is because Jesus has empowered the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You know this, the church has unusual and unique advantages in life. We have access to the supernatural power of God. That puts us at an advantage. That gives us a head start on people. I mean, God gave everybody a brain. God gave everybody eyes and ears and et cetera, et cetera. God gave us all that. But the unique advantage of us in the church is that we have access to the supernatural power of God through Christ. And that means that we supernaturally are able to do what we otherwise could not do naturally. And so when we're struggling to love somebody who's done the wrong thing by us, the power of God comes and we have supernatural power to love our enemies. When we're faced with circumstances and situations that cause people to freak out and cause them to be gripped with fear, we have access to the supernatural power of God that can give us peace in the most turbulent of times. When things are going wrong and all hell around us is breaking loose, we have access to the supernatural power of God that can give us joy beyond understanding. And so when people look at our lives and say, why are you so happy? You've lost your marriage. You've lost your house. You've lost this. You've lost that. You've lost everything. And yet there's a joy within. What is that? It's the supernatural power of God that's at work and it's available to all that believe. The reason I believe in the church is because it opens up the access of the supernatural power of God at work in my life. I know people are getting promotions and jobs and homes and cars and they're still not happy. And yet, Jesus, through his church, means that we can have access to the supernatural power of God. And this gives us a head start on all of those that are without Christ. I tweeted this week, I can beat Usain Bolt. I mean, everyone's going on about how good he is. I can beat him. I can. I promise you this. I could beat Usain Bolt in a 100-meter sprint. And I wouldn't even have to do any training for it. And I've just had an operation on my hip. And I can still beat him. Do you know how? By giving me a sufficient 
Hedge start. I mean, if he's back at the starting blocks and you give me 10 metres on him, 20 metres on him, 30, forget it. You give me 90 metres on this guy without any trading, having just had surgery on my hip, I can take him. Where does that confidence come from? It comes from the unique advantage I have over him. Where does that arrogance, that confidence, that big-headedness come from? It comes from the secret that I have. This glorious mystery that I have on the inside of me. And this mystery is Christ. And I have access to peace when there's nothing in my world that seems to give me peace. I have have access to joy. It seems ridiculous to say I can beat Usain Bolt, but give me enough of a head start. It seems ridiculous to say that you can have joy when everything is going wrong. You can with Christ. He gives me my head start. He gives me my perspective. He gives me my joy. He gives me my peace. He gives me my hope. And so when all is hopeless, I've got the head start. That's why I love the church. And in the midst of all of this, yeah, we have to deal with our problems. But I'm not going to allow the problems I have to deal with to get in the way of these greater truths. I love the church. I believe in the church. The sixth reason I believe in the church is because Jesus himself commissioned the church. In Matthew 28 verse 19, it says, well starting from 18, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I mean, short people, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mandate. This is what Jesus commissioned the church to do. Get involved in people. If you're in the church and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I commission you. To get around people. That thought alone. That we've been commissioned to get around people. Is why I have no time. For people who leave church. Because of what people did. That's why we're here. For people. Go into all the world. And make disciples. And that's one of the hard things. It's helping people to be made into the image of Christ. Letting go of some of the things that we don't want to let go of. I mean, it'd be great if we're just born a certain way, but we're not. And so that's where the battle is. But that's where the commission is. 
You see, at the heart of all our initiatives that we're going to look at in just a moment, at the heart of them all is people. We're going to talk about how the cafe is doing. And we're not going to talk about coffee because it's not about coffee. That's not the purpose. That's the tool. It's not the purpose. It's the tool. The purpose is people. We want to open a daycare center for young children. It's about people. Because that's what we've been commissioned, called. That's what we've been mandated to do, to help people. What we want to do into Indonesia. It's not that we can have a little board at the back with a, with some, a photo of another country with little kids on there just so that we can say, look at that, isn't that pretty? So we want to decorate our back wall. That's not the purpose. It's about people. At the heart of all that we do, it's about people. When we take up an offering week after week, it's about people. It's not about money. It's about people. Because to help people, it's going to take money. And that's why we're never apologetic about taking up the finances, because we're here to help people. In actual fact, people who have issues with money and church really are showing their own hand. It's showing that they don't have a heart for people. If you have a heart for people, you'll be generous. But if we can attach what we do with why we do it, then we're going to hang around. But if we lose sight of the why behind the what, we're going to get disgruntled. We're going to end up on the back row, out the back door and never be seen again. Why? Because of our perspective. Jesus has commissioned us to get involved in the lives of people. Poor people, rich people, middle class people, young people, old people. People that smell good, people that smell bad, people. That's who God wants us to get involved in. People. And that's why we exist as a church, to connect people to God. And people to his church and people to their purpose. That's why we're here. This is not something Tony's conjured up. This is not something the elders just want us to do. This is what Jesus Christ himself has told every person in Christ to do, to get involved in the lives of people. We have a group that go to the city once a month on a Friday night and they give out soup and they give out other things. But it's not about the soup. It's not about the other things. It's about an opportunity to meet with people. It's not like they're sitting around there eating their own soup. Oh, oh, Moggy. Oh, that soup you made. That's just fantastic. That's the best soup. Can't wait till next month. We can make better soup. It's not about the soup. It's not about the bread. Dwayne, I have never had such fresh bread in my whole life. Imagine just sitting around in town and there's all these people going, oh, I'd like some of that. Oh, no, 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 this is too nice. Oh, oh Dwayne, that's magnificent. Maybe we could up the ante next time and have croissants. And kid ourselves, we're doing a great job because we're making great food. It's not about the food. It's about people. That's why we do all that we do, to help 
people. That's what it's about. When I was young and growing up, many of you know the story about my mum and dad and their marriage not being a great marriage. But dad decided to hang around in the marriage because he wanted to help people, namely three people in particular, me and my two brothers. He wanted to help people. It's what Jesus has commissioned each and every one of us to do. This notion, I'm sick to death of church, they're full of hypocrites and leave. It's like, if, that's, if, if, if the church is, so, is full of hypocrites and, and you think you're so much better, than, then that's why you should hang around to help us in our hypocrisy. Please help me, you wise one. So good, so much better than me. Help me. Hang around. This is why the Bible says it's your own words that will condemn you. They're full of hypocrites. Well, either you're a hypocrite by saying that because you're a hypocrite and you're calling others hypocrites, which makes you a hypocrite. Or you're not a hypocrite. That's why you should have stayed to help them. There's no out. By your own words, you'll be condemned. It's people. I know the people in this church that have got issues with the loud music, but they love people. They're the ones who come with earplugs. They put them in and they smile through the songs and they sing anyway. And so they're being real about their issues with the volume, but it's not getting in the way of what matters most. It's people. And it's us focusing on Christ. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he looks up, your will. He looks out and sees the people. And he's compelled now to do something about it. And that should be what you and I do. Look up, perspective, look out at the need and be compelled. And the seventh reason that I believe in the church is because Jesus has changed my life through the church. It's through the church that I came to know Christ. Someone invited me, and more than likely someone invited you to church. And you heard the gospel in church. And it's where you surrendered your life to God in the church. It's where you met many of your friends in the church. It's through the church that I've been able to stay on course. When I felt like giving up and giving in, I had people say, come on, you're better than that. You can do it. Hold your head high. Focus on Christ. Don't allow the circumstance or the problems of life to get the better of you. It's because of the church I've been able to stay my course. I've been able to develop my gifts in the church. This gift of leadership was developed in the church. My gift of public speaking was developed in the church. School never taught me how to speak publicly. In actual fact, I never said a word at school. I was one of the shyest of all kids. 
And yet through the church and people believing in me and saying, you can do this. And, and, and here, why don't you have five minutes just to say this? Come on, Tony, you can do this. And in fear and trembling, yet trusting someone who invested in me, I did it. I'd love to tell you it was pretty. I'd love to tell you it was awesome. I'd love to tell you I smacked it out the part. I'd love to tell you it was a brilliant job, but it wasn't. It was horrible. And you had people believing in me. And say, ah, it was good. It was great. You can do this. Come on, let's do it again. Get back on the horse. I learned these things in the church. I've received countless blessings through the church. I found my purpose, I found my meaning through the church. John chapter 10 verse 10 says this, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and to destroy. But I have come, speaking of Christ, that you may enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows. Life with a capital L. I found that life through Christ and his church. And when I wrap all that the church has done for me on my darkest day, on my saddest day, when people are being mean to me, not that you could ever imagine that, I get perspective through what Christ has done for me through the church. I never understand somebody making friends in church, getting bent out of shape and taking the people that they met in a church and going somewhere else or namely nowhere else, complaining about the church, hanging around the very people they would not have met if it wasn't for the church. It doesn't make sense to me. I believe in the church for all these reasons and many, many more. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the apple of God's eye. It's that which is most near and most dear to him. And it's the only thing that's going to cause him to leave heaven one more time and come down and collect his bride. When you touch the church, you touch Jesus. All the married men know what I mean. You may like me, but if you don't like my wife, you're probably not going to get the invite to my house. Because if you want me, you get my wife as well. And I believe Jesus is saying, if you want me, you get my wife as well. And his wife-to-be is the bride of Christ, the church. There's nothing like her. There's nothing like the church. And I love it with all of my heart. And it's because of the power at work in me that I can stand before you this morning and say with absolute integrity,
that I do not harbor one negative thought toward anybody. Think about that for a moment. You can't be in leadership without people misunderstanding you, saying bad things about you, spreading rumors about you, ultimately for some leaving you. And yet because of all this being true, there's a greater at work, there's a greater power at work in me that enables me to stand before you this morning. And so I have nothing but affection toward God and his church. And I refuse to allow what has happened to me through people to rob me of the greater truth that I've shared to you this morning. Can I pray with you this morning before we move into the next phase of what I want to share? Father, I pray this morning, this place, that through these words, a fresh perspective would come. A fresh perspective of your heart for the church. A fresh perspective of what you've done for the church. We realize, Lord, that the church is anything but perfect. But she is beautiful. She is your plan. She is what you're building. She is what you're coming back for. She is what you're married to. And those thoughts alone are worth surrendering to you afresh and coming before you and saying, Jesus, forgive us. Open the eyes of our heart that we may serve you through your church more and more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. I wanted to share that this morning before we got into the initiatives, vision, and dreams. Because I never want us to be a church that finds our approval, identity, and meaning out of what we do. I think what we should do, what we, what we end up doing, should come out of an appreciation of what we have. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.